0: Uh, typical in attendance, but that'll be a prayer request for you later. Uh, you know, as far as praying for the weather, the Lord's in control of it, but he does want our requests too. But I'll tell you what, it's just a different kind of week. Pastor Stone's not feeling well tonight. Cherie Stone went to the hospital, Was is my understanding, for, for a flu maybe or or whatever she's going through. Um, it's It's not... It's not kidney stones right now. Uh, Tim is at home with the fever. Everyone in my immediate family is sick. My daughter off at college. My wife and son are at home tonight, sick. The Morrises are traveling. Uh, Rick and Lisa are. Um, Scott is in the hospital, and um, it's it's kind of an up and down report here and there. But but there's great concern for his kidney, and so please pray for him as well as praying for that storm. But i tell you what, we're, we're just going to get started. We're going to finish this book of Second Peter. So let us go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and you you all can sing it out and, and have prayer requests afterward. Father in heaven, Lord, we do come before your presence tonight. We humble ourselves before you. You are worthy of of so much praise, dear God. And we've come to praise your holy name tonight. We thank you for your eternal word. We thank you for its infallibility. Lord, how perfect it is. And Lord, we can share it. We can rest in your truth. We can be changed by it and built up by it, Lord. I pray you'd encourage your people tonight. And lift up those that are down and sick in this church family. There there are many. There are great needs. But, but you're our great God, Father. We love you tonight. We thank you for... Teenagers and adults being able to gather together to worship Your name, to worship You in word, and Lord, I just pray that You would help me to be able to convey Your word tonight, that we could get understanding of it, Lord, and and we can rejoice in what we've heard, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, Second Peter chapter three, and and that is the last chapter, and the last four verses are verses fifteen. Through 18, the final point that we are in is the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again and the world is coming to an end. That's what's going to happen. Upstairs with the teenagers last week, I I asked them what mattered in life and I shared a few things from that you can Google to find out what people believe matters in life, and there are so many missing the mark. Even even if it's something that sounds real good, if it's not Jesus Christ and Him coming again and this world coming to an end and everything melting and, and when Jesus Christ comes back, everyone's eternity is locked in wherever they are destined for, that's what matters in life. So there's some things that we ought to be doing, considering the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again and the world is coming to an end. And we shared some of those things last week. We will get into the rest of them this week, because concerning Jesus coming back, he, he has that taken care of. The father will, will, will mention the word and he will come back again concerning the earth being destroyed. That's something that he can take care of. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do knowing this and until then? Well, let's get started with a little story to wrap our minds around it. True story, Fred, Frederick Hanley Page, a pioneer in aviation. He was flying his airplane, his favorite airplane, his best airplane over, over the Middle East. And he, and he got over Arabia and he was in, in his plane and all of a sudden he heard a gnawing going on in the cargo area of his little plane right behind him. And that gnawing could be nothing other than a rodent. He heard a rodent gnawing in that cargo area where he was keeping some food. Somehow he got in there, and and can you imagine what he was picturing? Because here he is solo in his airplane, a rat is in his cargo area, very important instrumental wires and lines are running through that cargo area that that rat has access to. And if that rat chews on those lines and those wires, the plane goes down. Well, What does he do? Well, what does he do? Because he's solo. He He can't put that little plane on autopilot. He cannot leave where he's at. ...yet he's got to do something about this rat. And as he's sitting there and he's sweating and he's stressing on this... ...he remembers something he learned long ago in high school. And that is that altitude does not agree with rats. They can't breathe in higher altitudes. So as that thought comes to his mind, he quickly starts rising. And he's rising fast... And he's going as high as he can. And he hears the nibbling. And he keeps on going. And he keeps on going. And all of a sudden, silence is golden as never before. And he makes it safely where he's going. And he lands. And sure enough, there's a a dead rat in that cargo area. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't live. And in thinking about that, the rats of sin... Are always trying to take over our lives. Whether it's the rat of immorality. Whether it's the rat of profanity. Whether it's just simply the rat of worldliness. There is a lot of danger. In the rats of this world. Trying to devour us. And causing our spiritual flight. To crash. What what do we do about it? Because. Because because thinking of the potential of what could happen to us as, as the pilot was thinking of what could happen to him, praise the Lord, there's something that comes to mind. There's something that you and I are able to do about that, and that is increasing our altitude in Christ, increasing ourselves in the Lord. When we do that, it makes it hard for the devil to be real successful with his schemes in our life. His little rat demons are less effective when we increase in the Lord Jesus Christ. So with Jesus returning and the world coming to ruin and the false teachers continually rejecting the Lord Jesus... What should we do? Well, we, we need to see the Lord's salvation. Look at verses 15 and 16 with me as we see the Lord's salvation. It says, An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. "...as also in, his, in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction." We remember concerning the second coming that there are scoffers of the second coming of Christ. I was going to ask a teenager upstairs, so I'll ask a teenager to answer uh, the question for me. What do scoffers say of the second coming of Christ? We have a teenager over here that will give me an answer. Come on, what do the mockers say about the second coming of Jesus? Do they believe it? What do they say, Becca? Well, they'll answer upstairs. They, they make fun of it all this time. This is what you're basing your faith on. And it's been 2000 years. They, they, they mock this second coming of Jesus. Well, will a teenager tell me why the Lord hasn't returned? First of all, ultimately, the answer is he has that one divine moment that he has set up to return. But, but what are some things we learned about Jesus not returning? And what is he doing? Yes, Haley. He's, he's very interested in saving souls before that time that he returns. God is long suffering with those that reject him, with those that deny him, with those that say he's not real, with those who say that, that they hate him. God is long suffering with them. Think of God's—it's not a delay because He has a time He's coming. But if you want to talk about His long suffering and call it a, a delay, think of His delay as salvation, because souls are continually being saved. Souls are—think of this—think of this as the safety of many more souls. This long suffering of God, souls safe with God for eternity, instead of torment forever. That's what God is willing for every person. You know, hell is losing their potential population every day when souls are saved. The claws of death have souls slipping through their fingers as they are coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I I wouldn't really want to bother looking up too many things that people would call statistics of how many souls are being saved. But I did see something, and we I don't go accurately by this, that this is perfect, but in Indonesia, 40 years ago, there were 1.3 million Christians professing Christians there. Today in Indonesia, there are 11 million professing Christians there. So how many souls are being saved? One is enough to matter, but souls are steadily being saved by the Lord. He is still in the saving business. And so that's his desire right now. Concerning the fact that Jesus has not returned, it has nothing to do with him forgetting about us here on earth. You'll hear a lot of people say that. You'll hear a lot of people say that when they go through something difficult, some trial in their life. Well, he's just forgotten about me. God doesn't have time for me. He has not forgotten about his people here on this earth, nor is he not returning because he's angry with us over our failures or our neglect of him. Of course, our failures will be less and less as we grow in the Lord and and our neglect is never okay. but, But he's not not returning because he's angry with us over something. That's not him. For Jesus not to return, it doesn't mean he doesn't care for us or love us enough to, to rid us of this evil world and just take us on home. It doesn't mean there's a lack of love there. He loves and he cares for us. Well, I'll say it as my mom and dad used to say it, more than you'll ever know. More than, it's not a humanly love, but it, but the love of the Lord for you and I, it's it's more and it's something more amazing than we will ever know. He leaves us in this sin and he leaves us in this evil right now because he loves those who are doing that evil and he wants to change the lives of those who are doing that evil. He wants to save them. He wants to save the souls of all. He's longing to save every soul. But there is an appointed day ahead that's coming a day that's coming when the holiness of God and the righteousness of God and the judgment of God is going to show up and enough is going to be enough at that point. And then and then there are going to be those that fall into the hands of an angry God. But until then, what a great opportunity that someone would be able to be saved by the unconditional love of our Lord. So it's important that you and I do not drift into the wrong attitude of the fact that Jesus Christ has not returned yet to get His people with this world in the condition it is, with your personal things that you've had to go through in life, with these things that have happened to all of these precious babies, you know to think of all of these things we have got to be careful not to get the wrong attitude and slip into doubt about jesus not having returned yet the false teachers are trying to whisper that in your ear be careful where the TV station goes because you're going to hear some things you ought not hear and and, and it's dangerous to put things in our in our ears and into our mind that we shouldn't be hearing it's important that we don't have the wrong attitude about why he has hasn't returned yet. And also, considering the fact that it could be a long time and God has his perfect reason for doing so, we also shouldn't slip into the wrong attitude concerning the fact that, you know, he could come back tomorrow. You know, we shouldn't have the wrong attitude about that or not looking for that because it just may happen that Jesus may return tomorrow. We with that right attitude, we're going to be prepared. We're going to be watching. We're going to be alert. We're going to be looking for that day that Jesus returns. We need to have the right attitude on both sides of this. We need to be ready at all times. And let me say it this way. As the salvation of the Lord continues. Because that's what's going on in his long suffering. He is still saving souls. And he still desires to save more souls. We, we need to be watching though. We need to be watching for tomorrow. We need to be looking for him really soon. If we're not watching for the Lord, most likely a Christian is going to be in worldliness. It's, I, I believe it's either watching... Or it's going to be worldliness. It's going to be one of the two. And what a dangerous thing not to be prepared for our Lord's second coming. To be unprepared, to be stained, to be soiled, to stand before him with shame. God forbid that be any child of God. But for the one who's in worldliness, that's the way it's going to be. The Christian is saved and they're going to heaven. But it's important how how we are, and what condition that we are in when he returns. You know, as Peter has talked about, all the things that will melt with fervent heat. You know, the, there's the desires of the flesh. There's, there's material things that, that we could indulge in, and it would just be too much, and it would push the Lord out. But all of this world and all the things in this world, they're going to dissolve they're going to melt. They are going to exist no more. And so we're not to be consumed with that which is not going to last. We need to be consumed with that which we're going to have for eternity. We need to be consumed with telling others what they can have For eternity, the Lord Jesus Christ set your hopes on things eternal. The song says, and that's what we need to do. That's what we will be doing if we're watching and we're preparing and we are being ready for the second coming of the Lord. Don't let the world get you and don't let the false teachers get you. It's they're out to get us. Every day, out to cause doubt, out to to change our minds all the time. It says here in verse 16, In which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, or maybe we could say twist. The false teachers, the scoffers, they use and they, they abuse the word of God for their own purposes. They study it and they read it, but with a natural mind. And so they go off on their on their own path, in their own way, in their own understanding, according to the lusts of the flesh. They take a spiritual book and try to make it appease their own personal lusts. You know, Peter is saying in all this that... Hey, Paul, Paul's told you the same thing. What I'm telling you about the second coming of Jesus Christ, Peter is saying, Paul's told you the same thing. And the, and the New Testament Scriptures, they say the same thing Paul said. And the New Testament Scriptures say the same thing the Old Testament Scriptures say about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to see the Lord's salvation as we're waiting on Him. And be aware of false teachers. Speaking of being aware of false teachers. We also need to see the liar's direction. Verse 17. Ye therefore beloved. Seeing ye know these things before. Beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked. Fall from your own steadfastness. I guess it's hard to imagine while we are in the will of God the fact that we could get out of the will of God. The fact that we right now could actually doubt the word of God. It's just unbelievable maybe to our minds that we could actually start to fall for the false teaching that's corrupting and perverse of the Word of God, but it could happen to anyone. It could happen to any Christian and we need to be well aware of that. We need to be sensitive to that because the liar has a direction and he's trying to take as many people in it as he can. There's an old saying, misery loves company and it fits the false teacher. And and it's a great victory for them when they can take a child of God and make them doubt and make them fall into error. None of us are above falling into error. So Peter has made it known to God's people that there are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're they're sitting in the pews. They're standing behind pulpits. And they are misleading. And they are misguiding. They are doing perverse things with the word of God. And Peter loves the people of God too much not to tell them this. Not to warn them of this. This might not be real encouraging, but it's real. And we need warnings just as much as we need to hear all the blessings and the promises of God. And the promise of God here is that the false teacher is out to get you and I. Peter tells this in love. He calls them beloved as he puts out this warning to them about the straying that it could happen. And so now he puts it on God's people To beware. It's the job of God's people to beware of the false teaching that's going on. And that word beware is really strong. It means to stand on guard. It's not enough just for the preacher to stand here and for him to speak it without without heeding it himself or just for the people to hear it and, and to say, I believe that and know that. That's not enough. We have to stand on guard with the Word of God. We must abound in the Word of God. We must grow in it all the time because there is a clever deceptive false teaching out there Uh, I've had uh, just people in the past and they have They've met someone they thought were, were kind of cute and kind of handsome, and they just go to this this different church. And so I go to a function with them every now and then. Oh, Brother Kenneth, I, I wouldn't miss Sunday morning and Sunday night here. And and look, this is years ago. Don't try to think of who this is, but it just serves in as an example. Because, and I'm not talking about one person. I'm talking about several that would go off to a different teaching and come back and say, it sounded just the same as what we talk about here, Brother Kenneth. And I'm thinking, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does because it's slick. It is clever. It is deceptive teaching. It's just, it's, 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 it's a splitting of hairs. It's worse than that, but they say it in such a way that you can't detect it. But next thing you know, down the road, you are reeled into it. Some people hold back the core of what they believe till they get someone reeled in. We have to see the line direction or we're going to be led away. And when we're led away, we lose our stability. And when we're led away, we're not as excited about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we're led away, we're not looking so forward to that glorious eternity that's in store for all of us. See, because the false teacher will, will take something that sounds like what you hear all the time. But next thing you know, next thing you know, your focus and the importance is here and now. Not there and then. Not what God has prepared. The best life is not now. No, no matter how popular somebody gets saying that, the best life is in eternity. I can't believe how much counsel has, to be, has had to be given to someone that just couldn't believe that happened to them in this life. Well, it's because of the false teachers and a market for the flesh wanting to hear that great things are coming now. All this perfection and the life that you and I want, it is in eternity. And we have faith in it. And we have to be careful of the liar's direction. And let's go ahead and close. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We have the word knowledge in the last verse of this book. I believe we had the word knowledge two times in the first three verses of this second letter that Peter wrote. And and so what we combine here is the need for knowledge, the safety that knowledge gives, the blessing that knowledge gives, the stability that knowledge of the Word of God gives for for the false teacher that's trying to make us their prey. He begins and he closes with it. I call this the laborer's affection because I see some labor here for you and I to grow in grace... And in knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ is to know more about him. And when we know more about him, we know him more. And when we know more about him and we know him more, we're going to love him more. We're not only going to love him more, we're going to be more like him. That's the answer to know Jesus, to know him more, to be like Jesus, to be more like him. And the affection is we're going to adore him more and more. When we grow in grace and knowledge, we're going to give him praise more. We're going to be thankful to God more. We're going to shower him with the thanksgiving that he deserves. We can't give him all the thanks that he deserves, but we'll give him more. When we grow in grace and knowledge, we'll walk with him and in his truth. And we will walk with others who know him and walk in his truth. And and no one else. And no one else. Only his people and only the Lord Jesus himself will we walk with. No one and nothing else. The closer we grow to Jesus, there, there's no room. There's no room for a false teaching to slip in. There's no room. There's no room to compromise a relationship when it's not based on the truth of God. Everything will hinge on Him. Nothing will be more important than the Lord. What a warning we've had of all the false doctrine, of all the things out there trying to take you and I down. We need... We need to elevate ourselves. We need to, we need to be elevated to a divine altitude where the rats of sin just cannot stay, where the rats of sin just aren't as effective. We can call the false teachers these rats of sin. Look, and they're dangerous and we need a severe warning from them, but, but there's something we can do. We can increase in the Lord Jesus Christ and we must as never before. And we're going to love him more. We're going to serve him more. We're going to, we're going to love his word. We're going to really depend on it. We're going to praise him and we're going to give him thanks. Let's let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer and then and then that gives y'all something to sing about. Something to praise God about, something to pray about. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this word that you've given us, Lord. It was unexpected that that I would have the blessing of sharing it with the teenagers and and with the rest of your people, the, the adults of this church, but I, I pray your blessings upon them all. And I thank you for the time we've had together in this word. And dear God, may we consider the danger that is out there in the, in the world. But Lord God, greater is, greater is, is he that is in you than he that is in the world, Lord. And we, we thank you for the promise of your truth. We thank you for the power of your truth. Lord, that that we can survive and and that we can thrive and we can glorify your name. And Lord, may we be looking for your son, that, that he may come any day now. It's a possibility, Lord. May our hearts be ready and prepared. And we pray this for our church and for all your people in Jesus' name. Amen.